Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson and today I'm joined by my brother from another mother, Corey B. How's it going, bro? Not too bad, my brother. Another week, living it up. How about you? Another dollar, another dream, or whatever that is. Yeah, one of those phrases. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm doing good. But before we get into it, now we've got an awesome show for y'all. But before we get into things, we just got a few things to talk about. First off, this podcast can be found on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. So you can use any of those platforms to be wa- to, to be listening. Got them already. To, to the Bash Bros <laughs> podcast, yep. And just like with every week, we have a very special guest each and every week on the show. And since last week was the Players Tour in Phoenix, and only one of us was in attendance, I thought I'd bring somebody else that did participate in the event. So we got <laughs> none other than MPL specialist, Brian Brown doing How's It Going, BBD? You know what? I've seen better days. I've, uh, I, I... I'm not sure that going to Phoenix was a great idea if I knew that I was going to be picking up uh, the bubonic plague. Ooh. Yeah, the, the branding the branding does change, but the PT plague stays the same. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This PT, I, I came home feeling quite good. I, I think the plague is done for me. I think I'm immune to it. Yeah. yeah. No. The the weird thing is that when they were MCs, I never got sick. So maybe it just is really a PT plague. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it, Maybe it you does. won too many rounds at the MCs. It is PTs. true, yeah. Is during, true. during last season when they were all Mythic Championships, I never got sick. This time around, first time PT back, bam, I am. <laughs> we are both living it. So this episode might have a few more coughs, a few more <clears throat> scratches, maybe a few more edits uh, than, than others, but we'll get through it. Now, before we get into our topic of today, which is the data debacle of the last Ooh. week of all of the conversations about data. That's a nice alliteration. Have- that was Thank good. You. Thank yeah. you. Thank um, you. I first have to send it over to our advertisement for Card Conduit because we get in hashtag sponsored pay. Hey, bro. How's it going? <laughs> Terrible, Corey. Terrible. Terrible. How come? Well, I- I'm sorting magic cards of all things right now. Ew. Why are you doing that? That sounds absolutely heinous. Well, I just reached my breaking point. Every set that comes out, I pile up more and more extra cards and it's becoming a problem for me and my fiance. I need to get rid of all these cards, but I just don't want to spew value on them. Dude, just use Card Conduit. What, what's Card Conduit? It's the new card hoarder thing. You ship them your cards, and they do everything else. They sort and grade your cards, create a buy list, and then sell them on your behalf. Once they finish selling your cards, then they take a small fee, and then they just give you that cash. It's honestly that easy, dude. <laughs> Wait, what? That sounds awesome. I'm going to go look them up right now. I know. Do it. I should also add that it's 10% off fees by going to cardconduit.com slash bashbros. BBD, get, get the hell out of here. This is this is our sponsored ad. How did you even get in here? Why did we not notice you? Uh, I've just been hiding behind the piles of brass cards. Ah, uh, BBD. What will he do next? Card Conduit, the easiest way to sell magic cards. All right, we're back from the the <laughs> advertisement because I don't know how to do advertisement transitions. Well, we'll get to we'll get to view this one and see how bad you just did. Yeah, and but we'll, that yeah. was a great advertisement for a wonderful product, wasn't it, boys? <laughs> it was really, really well received. It was riveting. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It. I, I would say it was wriggling. But, but it wasn't raw. That's the problem. It wasn't raw. It was perfect. It yeah. was great. All right. 
Now, before we also get in, I have one more announcement, uh, and this will be it before we get into today's topic. This is more of a uh, a pitch and a plead to all of my Bash Bros fans out there. I am working on... All three of you. Yes, all three of you out there, I would love you to be a part of this. Now, this Saturday is going to be an online tournament on the website mtgmelee.com. Now, this is a project I am working on with a few friends, and it is... Um, <coughs> It is a tournament software <coughs> website. We are trying to build the best tournament software for Magic um, use uh, for online tournaments. And now it can be used for a bunch of other things, but we could use your help for what should be our last alpha event before we move into beta. So Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, we are going to be running a 64-person event. That's the biggest one we've ran so far. And we're opening it up a little bit to the public. Now, if any of you want to go participate in that, please go over to mtgmelee.com, set up an account, register for the tournament that sh it should be the only tournament on the website, and it's called the Alpha Test Tournament 3. And you can submit your deck. It'll be best of three, three-round tournaments, a small tournament. There are no prizes. We'll ask you to do a survey Except afterwards. Pride. There's Except pride. pride. There's a lot of pride on the line. <laughs> um, I'll be participating in the event as well. Uh, three-round standard arena. Um, just follow along with the instruction. There's a how to play, how to set up tutorial on the website itself. Just go through all of that. If you have any issues, you can uh, contact me on social media, on Twitter or something. But if you would like to participate, don't register if you're not going to play in it. But if you have the time on Saturday to do so, and would like to get a firsthand experience with what might be what I think is going to revolutionize how we participate in tournaments online. It was um, straight insane. It, I, I participated in one. I took second. No big deal. Um, but I, I loved it. Everything was so smooth. I, I don't even want to spoil all the secrets to everyone because there's a lot of things that you've never seen in other tournaments. And it's pretty cool. But yeah, so if you would like to be a part of this, it's first come, first serve, up to 64 people. So go over, make an account, register for the event, and I will see you on Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. On the battlefield. On the battlefield. All right, thank <laughs> you for everyone um, for that. And now we can finally get into our topic. The data debacle. Bum, dun, dun, bum, dun. <laughs> that was good. We, we synced up real nicely there, bro. You've been watching like way brothers. too many murder mysteries, Brad. <laughs> oh, I, yes. No, Amber has become full-fledged addict. She listens to um, murder podcasts like My Favorite Murderer. She watches all the, all the online murder stuff. Brad, read to... the signs. Read the signs and run. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's how it works. Just like I don't think how video games make people killers. <laughs> oh, they I don't? Just... I've been playing games wrong this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, today's topic, um, entire topic, is going to be on the data debacle. We could talk about the players tour and yeah, whatever, decks won and people did well, people did bad. And we could break down that percentages. But this is a way more interesting topic, in my opinion, because... It comes up from time to time. And it, 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 what, what rekindled this conversation was a Bob Wong tweet where they were asking, are we only back to posting top eight deck lists for Grand Prix? Because the Grand Prix that was held at Phoenix during the, the, the Players Tour Magic Fest branding um, only well, posted not, the top. They're not GPs, right? Aren't they just Magic Fest? No, no they are GPs. Magic, Magic Fests oh. are all-encompassing of what's happening on the weekend. The GP 
is the event that's being held at the Magic Fest, the biggest event. Yeah. Ooh, so my Magic Online name, Festi Fan, has even more meaning now, huh? It does. Festi nice. Fan definitely has more meaning. Nice. Um, but so uh, responding to that tweet was Frank Carson, who does a lot of the data content for Channel Fireball. And uh, his response was, additional top GP decklist will be provided in an article on ChannelFireball.com later this week. However, I am no longer allowed to publish all GP deck lists or provide GP win rate analysis. Now, this was content that he was making for a while. Um, just, you know, after a GP came out, he would compile all of the data, run it through however he does it, and he would come up with entire spreadsheets of win match win percentages based on these Grand Prix. And I think he even, like, tied a few Grand Prix together. And so he would be like, deck A wins 57% of the time against deck B and like this whole graph and it was, you know, a lot of information and now that and, has stopped. And one thing I want to um, add to <clears throat> what you're saying there, Brad, is he also, you know, does this for, you know, mythic championships like Barcelona runs like what's the most popular cards um, uh, of the weekend, which card, which sideboard card has played the most, not even just channel fireball events. He's been doing these stats for wizard events and just all kind of events. Yeah. Like that yeah. kind of content is cool and fun to look at, but like, the the true the heart of the magic content is the matchup win percentage data. Yeah. And decklists. Yeah. And and decklists, yeah. And so when when he tweeted about this, it kind of started a shitstorm on Twitter. And all of the other, you know, it trickled into Reddit and other forums and, and articles, people were writing about it. And it was more like, why is this the case? And a lot of speculation happens. And that's kind of, you know, um, you know, like how the internet works, you know, the phrase where there's smoke, there's fire, which is kind of implying if you're hearing some wind of something, there's got to be some truth to it. Yeah. When it comes to social media, it's like where there's a little bit of smoke, there is a lot of fake fucking fire <laughs> and it is everywhere and it's destroying everything and we're all going to die. Yes. And yes. someone is profiting off of it. It's just it's how social media works. You sorry, know, like I, 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 I must have forgotten my tinfoil hat. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't bring it. Yeah, you need a tinfoil hat for this episode. We are getting to the bottom of this. Who's <laughs> making the money? <laughs> probably, I, probably Wizards of the Coast. I guess. Yes. <laughs> but so um, today we're going to be kind of breaking down this whole thing. And now there is some truth to this. Like there is truth to what Frank is saying. Frank said that he will no longer be allowed to publish allowed not saying he won't publish it anymore allowed to publish grand predictless and there has been a i've heard stories of like mtg goldfish being asked to stop similar content as well as star city games got asked to do stop doing a segment that was previously called too much information that was on along the same you know line lines of this kind of content um we've seen wizards do things in the past with the deck dumps like when they used to dump leagues before they would just dump a percentage of the decks without even manipulating what decks they presented. And sometimes that would be like, I remember in the red black vehicles era of standard, like one third at minimum would be red black vehicles deck lists. And then around that time they switched it to where um, decks that only overlapped nine or less cards would just be one post in that deck dump. So if two identical versions of a deck, both 5 would only one of them actually had the possibility of being put into that deck dump. And then there, there was a lot more variety of decks that they would post. And when you got into random formats like Modern, it was kind of hilarious because even if Modern was 
what people would consider a four deck format, like 80 different archetypes would 5-0 that week. You know, this is making so much more sense. I was always very confused why my deck lists were never being posted. You know, they were just not <clears throat> not 10 cards or more different. I thought it was just because I never 5-0'd a league. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, that is a relief. Yeah, it's good It's good to finally understand what the, the reasoning is. Yeah. yeah, agreed. But yeah, so then um, this, this has been like a, a true sentiment to Magic where... Wizards, for whatever reason, has wanted to limit the amount of data we have about their formats. Oh, I will say that the current uh, way that they release information from Magic Online decklist is more info than what they did before. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they don't give us all the information for, you know, whatever reasons we'll speculate on which in this in this cast. But they have they are actually giving us more information now than they used to in the past. So. I, I do feel like there may be more open to giving us information. Yeah, yeah the know. preliminaries deck dumps are actually really nice, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I really like looking through them in preparation for Phoenix because um, there's so many Pioneer preliminaries. <coughs> each yeah. each day there was content to look at new deck lists. Um, yeah. I always love just going to see, like, the, the two, three deck lists and stuff like that and just be like, all right, what kind of dumpster fires are at the bottom? <laughs> well, that's not even <laughs> the bottom. Yeah, sure. That's, sure. That's, but I, that's I like I like looking from the bottom up because it's just always a little. Corey, bit if you wanted my deck list, you could just ask me for it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to start at the bottom of. <laughs> what every are you talking about? List. No one, no one needs to ask you for your deck list. Three obs a dot. Four pack rat. <laughs> yeah, and then lands. I don't three play, sign in blood. I don't play pack rat anymore. I gave up on it. Oh, you gave up on pack rat. <laughs> I still play obs a dot though. Oh, of course Smart. you do. Of course Smart. you do. Smart. Um. But yeah, so so then what happens though is because this is the case, the internet kind of erupted. And I think my favorite and 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 we'll get it, address all of these things, but my favorite was that there is a conspiracy roaming out there that Wizards is trying to stemmy the amount of data the world gets to help us MPL members. <laughs> and this is you saying that that is so crazy to cover up the fact that it's true, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Brad's <laughs> like, this would never be the case. This <laughs> is madness. <laughs> no, they just Everyone give us better arena way. accounts. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah. Yeah, we just have luckier arena accounts that don't roll <clears throat> again. Oh, Brad, no. We're, we're live right now. You're... You're, oh, you're we, can this this we can edit this out. We can it's fine. We'll okay, good, good, good. Right, we're we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah. No, we, we are definitely getting ahead of ourselves. So, so to to really break down this topic, what we're going to have to do is we're just going to have to break it down with like the both sides of 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 this argument and both sides of the spectrum, which is what do you think the effective data on the format actually is? And this is mostly our opinions on this. We're going to discuss what 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 a format looks like with no data and what a format looks like with all data. So let's just start with no data. Brian, what do you think a, a format looks like with, with zero data? Now, what this means is we can't look at any match win percentage stuff at all or even deck dumps. It's the only thing we have is word of mouth. So think arena deck lists, like, you know, their Twitter account. Like we're, we're, just, we're just parsing information through, through our own networks. I mean, I think it just looks like a lot of what we see now where it's it's just um, 
you go you go to uh, people that you respect or content creators and get your deck list from them. Um, I, I think that's kind of generally what it looks like. Uh, I think there are some issues with that, uh, namely that it puts a lot of weight on what content creators or people with respect in the community or pro players or whatever have to say. So if 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 pros are saying, you know, n- this deck's unbeatable or whatever, um, you know, that's going to kind of be a general opinion because, you know, they, they have a lot of sway in this format. There's no data to back up or disprove uh, what they're saying. So it, it puts a lot of, it puts a lot of emphasis on anecdotal data as as kind of the driving factor behind behind things and i think it can um it can sometimes stifle the development of a format as a result yeah i mean i i I, to add to that like i've i've talked to both you a lot about this i think i brought it up on the podcast many times but like i think that we are in the most severe case of survivorship bias that magic's ever been in and And that example is how the the passing of content through like magic based content about decks, where I'll just see someone say, you know, mono red's by far the best deck in the format. Look, I just got to number one on mythic, and then somebody else will be like, like blue white control is by far the best deck. Look, I just got to number one on mythic in the same twelve hour period, and you know. Odds are, I always usually just take that as like, they're both probably decent decks. Are they the best deck? I have no clue. But, you know, no one's no one's breaking, getting those likes, getting those retweets, getting a lot of m- movement by saying, my deck's all right. <laughs> I, 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 I got to 46th on Mythic. Yeah. yeah. That's fine, I guess. Please retweet for visibility. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of that is... Um, is is the way that data works uh like outliers work where um you know if 50 people are playing a deck even if the deck's a 46 win rate deck somebody's going to go 9-1 with it yep um that's just the way it, that's just the way data works so uh yeah you're going to see people going 9-1 with decks that are sub 50% win rate um you're going to see people going five and five with decks that are actually the best deck in the format. And they might downplay it and say like, I think this deck's really good. I'm not winning that much. Um, and, and they might actually have the best deck. Whereas the person who went nine, one doesn't have the best deck. They just ran really well over a small sample size. Um, mm-hmm. And when the way that we get data glorifies small sample sizes and it glorifies like the the kind of survivorship bias of of glorifying the few people who did survive um then yeah you're going to see that and and that's just what it is like there's always going to be people who hit number one mythic or who go on a huge winning streak with a bad deck uh, or with not necessarily even a bad deck it might be a good deck but it might not be the best deck it's just gonna it's just always gonna happen uh, and without the data to back up and say like, okay, well you're winning with the stack, uh, but the data says the stack's forty six percent. Like, is there something you're doing differently? Are you running hot? Like, what's the reasoning behind that? Um, yeah, without the data, it's it's hard to know what the deal is. And and the truth is, is without that data present, like it takes a long time for the 
the, the general population of Magic players to settle on which decks to be playing. Because yes. they'll see things and they might try something else and there'll be a lot of misinformation. And <clears throat> and, and also Magic is kind of a self-correcting game. So yeah. there's only, only when some egregious error came from, from a card design that we usually see, or not an egregious error, but like, you know, for example, like Marvel was a very good Magic card, but Marvel was never designed to be played beside the Eldrazi. But when they changed how the formats work, now they will play with each other. And because of that, it broke the format. Yeah. And, and you know, when that happens, you know, then there's just this one deck. And then that, in those situations, you know, the data will prove that this is the best deck and everyone should be playing it. Yada, yada. In a healthy format, you know, there are, there's usually like what I would say two to three great decks that are probably just the best decks to play. But sometimes you can exploit that. That's how magic works. Yeah, um, and like one deck is the best for a, a weekend, and then you're like, oh, well, these control decks, these team of rec decks are popping up. Play a flash strategy that's also good, but maybe not quote-unquote the best. But since you're metagaming for the best deck, then you might be winning more because of it, you know? And it's also that, you know, when given players the ability to say something is best, I always like to go back to one specific time as an example. Now, this is, you know, I'm cherry-picking an example. But I remember a time before the Pro Tour Eldritch Moon where uh, there was two Star City Games Opens and, and an Invitational before the Pro Tour. And White Weenie and Collected Company just took over the metagame. Um, mostly Collected Company. Everyone's like, this deck is disgustingly broken. Nothing beats it. It's the best thing. Every single play good player showed up with it. Some people brought anti-decks and did okay. But for the most part... Bant Company was by far the best deck and there was nothing else to play. Yeah. And then the, the Pro Tour starts with round four, standard, and both players just lead on turn one, Nestle of Asen, or Vessel of Nascency. And they're both Eldrazi, you know, Embrakul, Delirium, you know, Ishkana strategies. And that tournament was just dominated by Delirium strategies. Just, there was like five different Delirium decks. Yeah. And 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 they annihilate oh zombies. It was zombies and Coco. Those were the two big decks beforehand. And then at that tournament, it was just Kozilux returns and and Call of the Eldritch Moon or whatever, the one that would tutor up a, an Eldrazi. And like there was Elder Deep Fiends. And I mean it was like a, a completely different game of like format being played at the Pro Tour. And and so like when these formats become fresh and, you know, yeah, blue White, your blue-white control deck was great. Team of Reclamation is also a very good deck. But, you know, me being potentially a pretentious pro is looking at this and being like, oh, I'm going to fuck some shit up. Like, I'm going to get into this format once I learn it. And I have, like, a metagame challenge coming in a couple of weeks and I'm going to mess this shit up. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to exploit the hell out of this metagame. Yeah. And I have confidence that I can do that. Um and maybe I, I shouldn't have that much confidence, but I do. It's not like I'm just going to be like, great, now I just have to play Team or Reclamation or who I control in the metagame self. And so there, there's a lot of human error built into all of these things as well. And data will help that. And now that's the other flip of things is um, and, and does come to the idea of, you know, MPL or the most enfranchised players getting an advantage is when there is no data, it's harder for the average Magic player to compete on that level. And that's where we're going to flip this. Now let's just say, like, what is the effect of data when so, we have all of it? Oh, what's so, up, Corey? Yeah, sorry. I just didn't uh, get to touch anything about no data. I think one thing 
that could happen is you do get to just see more experimental decks, more maybe, you know, tiered two decks that maybe aren't quite just the dominating effect. And it would be, especially for standard, I look at this, you have that three month window, right? Where everything's fresh. And then you got three months to figure it out by like the month and a half to two month. Then decks start to be, you know, that pillar, that rock, paper, scissors thing, you know, the, the three best decks. But if you don't have all this data, there's a solid chance that it just takes much longer to get to that point. Because then people are just trusting your local streamers. People are just trusting people that win an SCG and then post their deck list or whatever. But if you literally see the numbers, then people gravitate towards that a lot faster. So I think with no data, it is possible to see a standard format like or or any format uh, have newer decks and not be solved as fast. Yeah, well, there's there's a there's an arg- there's a theoretical argument on the opposite side of that too, and we'll get down to that all data because if all the data exists. We, you know, then while one deck is proven to be very good, it might, we might be able to shine a light on its whole, right? Yeah. Like we might be able to find that while blue eye control is beating everything, it's actually not beating for some weird, weird reason. There's a 12 match sample size of green, white auras beating blue eye control nine to three. So then we have like, you know, deck builders being like, well, that's a small sample, but that's interesting. So I'm going to start trying to tune and make these instead of like going through the black decks and the mono red aggro decks and all that, I'm going to start at this green, white auras deck. And I'm going to see if I can make this deck work. And then we have like, you know, a deck builder like Sam black working on it or something. And then all of a sudden we have this weird green, white auras deck because a little sample size of data directed someone in that direction. Yeah. That's interesting. And now that's a super ridiculous hypothetical. Yeah, green white auras hasn't been good in years. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I found this in any t- sample size. I just saw some people playing, you know, green white auras in this format, and I'm just like throwing a wild example out there. But like, sure, sure, those kind of things can also happen from data driven stuff. But now let's like look at a world where wizards didn't stifle data at all, and like we have this information, right? They let us, they give us all the information on arena and magic online, and from the grand prix and everything. Like we literally, it's our hearts desire stuff. I think our game starts looking a lot like it does in other games, like Arena, where they have their data-driven websites. So I want to pose kind of a question that's kind of an open-ended question. Sorry to to jump in. Um, And it's kind of like a, not really a rhetorical question, I guess, but I don't know if there's an easy answer to it. But the question is, is every format solvable or are there formats that can resist being solved? So when it comes to giving us full data, like let's take a format like modern. If we had perfect data and we had perfect data scientists and everyone acted logically, like people only played logical deck choices, not saying that it would always be the same deck for everyone. Um, Sometimes logic dictates that some percentage of players play one deck and another percentage of players play a different deck and so on and so forth. But let's just say that everyone acted logically and everyone was like a data scientist and was good at reading and understanding the data. Would modern become solved or would it be a format that had an actual metagame that could resist being solved? And the same goes for standard. And I posit that standard is always a solvable format. Maybe maybe there's occasional exceptions, um, but over the last, you know, 15 years of standard, it's been rare when standard has not been solved by the end of the format, and that's without the data. And I think that having access to the data does solve a format faster. Um, 
And, and so I, I, I do think that having access to the data is going to push a format to, to, to being solved faster. I, I, I understand the argument that it does provide us with information on what is actually doing well against decks. Um, but in general, I think just knowing the most information is just always going to favor the decks that are the best. Can, can we change um, the, the, the branding of this? Sure. Instead of it saying solved, can we call it completed? Because I think there's multiple ways for a format to be completed. And you're you're saying solved as in like there is just a mathematical uh <clears throat> entity to describe that you should be playing these 75 cards, right? Do, I'm not necessarily yeah. Well, I don't think we ever get to the point where we have the exact right 75, but I'm saying we did, like, I, I believe we did one time. I, I would, truly be, I truly believe we did it one time. I would guess I well, it's probably just Blue green elko and stuff. It's probably likely no. at some point in time that we've hit the right 75 just on sheer chance, but I think in general it's pretty unlikely. Yeah. Um what do you think it was? It was it was an obs on hanger back deck. Sure. I, I thought it was the literal perfect 75. It had exactly everything that you needed to attack all the major decks. Mm. Um and to compete with them and I thought the deck was literally perfect. I just couldn't like it was just the best deck in the format. I kept playing it because I thought it was just the perfect deck list. Yeah, it I mean felt the like chances are slipper. there's one card off somewhere, like a land oh, is probably. or something. But yeah. yeah. Um, I know what I mean, you mean. We even look at like formats like the Cat the Kethis format where that was discovered so late. But you know, it was probably like the best deck and it was busted at that point. But that format was not solved until like that was the second to last week or whatever, right? Before a new it was uh, like set a month. came in. There was a month of that. Deck. Yeah, that was oh, pretty sure, close sure. to the end. But yeah, I, I, right. honestly, I'm pro data. Um, I, I think players should have access to data um, for no other reason than I just I just think it just should be something that is available. It's something that players like to use, and I think that it um, it can help balance the playing field uh, for people who don't have the resources or connections to figure things out otherwise yeah um so i'm pro data but i one thing i reject is a lot of the pro data people seem to think that having access to data is going to cause a format to become solved less fast and i think it is in in fact the complete opposite where i think a lot of formats that did eventually there were a lot of formats that got solved towards the end of the format um one example being uh aetherworks marvel uh, Jabberwocky played a Naya Marvel deck that later led to kind of, I think it was down the road of like a more five color deck that ended up being kind of like the deck in a format at the very end of the format. Um, same with mm-hmm. Pethys combo, a really recent example where everyone thought it was like Scape Shift versus Bant versus some other stuff. And then Kethis combo. Dinos. Yeah. Di- about Dino. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't forget about Dinos. I just didn't oh. list it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. But uh, then Kethis combo came in at the end of the format and completely dominated that format. And it was like, wow, this deck's just better than everything that these decks are doing. Um, but yeah, no, I, re- I really think that having data is going to cause us to find those decks faster because when somebody plays that deck or does well with that deck, we'll see it. Sometimes we don't see yes. the deck. And, and, uh, what I was getting at is what what I wanted to add to yours about the completed thing is I do think that there's two ways that a format will will eventually complete itself if we're given enough information enough time. There's the we'll find the best deck that is better than everything else. Yeah, and I think that that happens a far less time than 
we will just find the optimal strategy of a format, which is um, the best example, which isn't a good example, but it's the best way to wrap your head around it, is like mono black, mono blue, Esper. Yeah. One of those three decks was just the optimal choice each week, yeah. but it, it, it was purely based on the metagame sample size. Right. And so like one week it was best to, if everyone in the room was playing mono black and mono blue, the best deck to play was Esper. If everyone was playing anti like devotion decks, then that are anti decks. Those, those other decks in the metagame were good against Esper, but like mono blue was good at beating up those decks, but then mono black was really favored against like a subset of those decks in mono blue or whatever. And when mono blue was doing a certain thing. And it always felt like if you just figured out the metagame, you could pick which deck to play. Those were also but decks I, that really rewarded being good at, the, at, at playing those decks too. So there yes. were a lot of players like Sam party always played mono blue and did well with it. Um, you know, like other players are always playing mono black and doing well with the same as Sphinx's revelation yeah. where some, you know, those decks were very close in power level. There were slight deviations week to week based on, um, you know, how people change their sideboards and stuff. Um, but mastering your deck could sometimes overcome the slight deviations. Yeah. But yeah, I agree but with I mean, you. Yeah, go ahead, Corey. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's even something we're seeing right now, you know, with mono red team of reclamation and Azurius control. It's like you have that rock, paper, scissors thing where if you expect a ton of blue white control, play team of to beat it. But that doesn't mean people that play blue white control constantly like Zach Allen or somebody who plays team of constantly like William Pulliam just plays those deck and still does fine with them, you know, depending on a metagame shift. But most of the time, there's a correct one of those decks to play uh, week to week, even in standard right now as a current example. Well, yeah, I mean, rock, paper, scissors and, and the, the self-correcting happens. But what I'm saying is like boiled down, we will find efficient lists and strategies that you're supposed to play. And you'll, you'll you know, that'll increase your win percentage from 63% to 64.5% if you do, if you just do it, like there's an optimal equation, but I don't think that it, it like, I would say like 90% of the time, it does not end with a, these are the 75 cards you should play, or this is the deck you should play. I think it ends with us understanding a formula, almost like a recipe, which is like the, this format should evolve this way. Like you should play this deck this way and then play it this way and then switch to this deck and then play this deck and then switch to the, it's almost like if you've ever went to a Hearthstone website, they have so much data and so much mat matches that they get to look through that they can tell you which different, like whatever they are. I don't play a lot of Hearthstone, but you know, like the warrior or priest or whatever classes. Yeah. The classes, they can tell you which ones are the best to play at which times in the, in the ladder. Like if you're trying to grind the ladder and we'll just, let's just pretend it's the magic ladder. <clears throat> and it's like, you know, it'll say like for silver, you should be playing mono red, but then you should switch to blue white control. Once you hit gold, once you hit uh, platinum, that's when you want to play team erect, but then you switch back to blue white once you hear, cause they're having all of this data and, and seeing win percentages of certain classes. And they can just tell you which one's the optimal strategy at any given time. That sounds outrageous. Yeah, that's 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 the data they have because what they're doing is I don't think Hearthstone is is giving or Blizzard or whatever is giving that information. What it is is it's the uh, the the untapped GGs. Yeah, the deck the, tracking tools that people the use. The everyone uses ones because yeah. they're like really big into that game, and then that and because those they can do a much better job <clears throat> there because you're priest, right? And you have a set deck list. 
So the the tracker can do that really easily. But the problem is, is trackers and magic aren't that sophisticated because, the, you know, it can't differentiate archetypes. Our stone just, games are way more defined than magic too, which is a different yes. thing where like you have a smaller deck. You're gonna you you have a smaller deck and the mulligan rules. You can shuffle back any number of your opening cards. So like, when you play a game of Hearthstone, it's like and it's like if your deck can't beat a certain card out of your opponent's deck, they're like ninety percent likely to see that card over the course of a game. <clears throat> so like yeah. things are way more defined. So there's a lot more actual rock paper scissors, whereas Magic has so much more variance involved that the rock paper scissors aspect of it's like a little bit less. Uh, pronounced but there's also like deck we give our decks deck names but their <clears throat> decks are technically like built into the class they're in like they have different names but they have like this at least information spot where it's like they can look at priest versus druid and get a number <clears throat> the, the our deck trackers can't differentiate teamer reclamation and and put all of the teamer reclamation into a category right because it's just a deck with a name that we provide Right. Uh, do you know what I'm talking? I I bet you both know what I'm talking about. But it's like, you know, you can't. They if there was a white a white weenie deck that splashed blue and blue white control, the these deck these deck trackers can't differentiate. They just know them both as blue white decks, so they can yeah. give you the data of like your Simic has this much against Rakdos or this much against Red or this much against Demir, but it can't give you like here's your win percentage against Demir Inverter. Here's your win percentage against Demir control. Here's your yeah, win it's percentage. just against color combinations instead exactly. of actual archetypes. It's not and, sophisticated and, enough to differentiate based on like the cards within. Yeah. Yes, and so like that's another reason, and also not a lot of people use deck trackers because because of those reasons they're not really they they haven't become pure crack like like uh, they are in other games. And like when when <laughs> when when a deck tracker does, when it just becomes an overstimulation of data that you're interested in, then everyone would use it. But yeah. but they're not doing that yet, and and so that's why like we don't have those. But if we ever had a website that a deck tracker used for everything, then we'd have more things similar to this. I wonder what's going to happen to like the untapped GG thing for like arena. <clears throat> you know, is that going to be not allowed as well? Or well, that's speculation. So yeah. I, that's I'm just wondering your guys' opinion. Do you guys think it will be? Well, that's I don't know different. if they can really stop that from happening. Yeah, yeah it I was I, run through channel, right? Like, didn't they set it up with Luis and Desi and what? No, 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 no. They're, it's it's their own. Untapped is their own thing. They might have like. Are you talking about Cardboard Live? No, uh, uh, Untapped GG does like a pick order for drafts with. Uh, LSB oh yeah, that's Desi's. just content. That's just like Star City Games getting you to make versus live. Gotcha. <laughs> that's just content. That's not so. You know, I, I want to say a couple things couple things about this one is that um also i want to apologize i'm I'm really sick so sorry if i'm coughing a lot or my voice sounds horrible but well i mean we had to bring someone that actually got to the players tour so thank you for at least coming <laughs> yeah it, it i felt i feel like uh out of the bash bros i'm the only one with the dedication to still just you know show up to the tournament so <laughs> and boy or brian not. boy brian when you said you're going to show up, you did show up. Oh, I showed up to the tournament. All right. Yeah. Hell yeah. How did you do, baby? I went three and four, and then I played the GP where I went four and three, which is technically two and three because I had two buys. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's go. But I want to say that, like, on that. if you want to take these, these things to their con- logical conclusions, which 
I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, but it, the logical conclusion of Watsi giving us no data is actually pretty similar to the way things are now, where data is kind of like crowdsourced, uh, you know, where it's it's like the Crokies and the the other content providers, uh, you know, the Strosskies and the Canisters providing their decks, Mangucci and so forth. Uh, th- those players are providing their deck list and people are using them and being like, wow, this deck's great. And that's like influencing the metagame. Um, but then the, the, I think the world, like we've never really had a world where we've had access to all the data. That's just never really been the way that magic has been. And I just want to say that I think it would be kind of a culture shock to a lot of magic players. I don't think that, that people have really thought through exactly what that would look like because I, I think it would completely revolutionized the way we play magic we had all the data i i do not think that i think it would almost completely invalidate people playing like rogue style decks unless they were very specifically metagamed against a certain metagame because i i really think it would push out a lot of people's brews when they're proven to just not be that good whereas now we might think a brew is good because somebody's telling us that it is or our small sample size is supporting us um, but if we know that it's not, and we know that, hey, this deck is just not being beaten by any other decks, players want to win games of Magic. They're just going to play those decks that are the best decks and and so on. I, I, I really think that the landscape of competitive Magic would be significantly different than, um, than not. And I think a couple examples would be like the modern tournament where most people played Hogak. I think if people had the data of how much Hogak was dominating on Magic Online prior to that tournament we might have seen 50% hogak or this last tournament at pioneer where if everyone knew how insanely good the breach deck and the inverter deck were <laughs> it might have been 60% breach and inverter you know like and <laughs> I, I, I think it would change everything i really do and i'm see, not saying, I, i'm not I, I don't know if it would be for better or for worse and honestly i'm still pro data even if it would be for worse just because i think it's something that players really want it's something that I like. I enjoy having access to. I just think it just adds to, it just gives players something that they want to have, and it, it gives players who maybe don't have access to it the 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 like the not really illusion, but they feel like they have some agency over their deck choices. But still, I I I'm not necessarily po- like positive that all data would actually be better for Magic. Some people seem to think that it would definitely be better for Magic, and they kind of reject arguments to the contrary and i'm not positive that's the case yeah i still think if uh there was all data for this last players tour i still think the jun trinity of brad nelson logan nettles and reduke would still play the jundy deck eg boys for life <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes it wasn't even a bad deck though it just wasn't quite as good as some of the other decks yeah yeah, yeah we, uh, that deck didn't actually perform that badly it performed better than i thought it was going to um <laughs> we all just went like 66 percent um, <laughs> but no, like you hit it on the head there when you're talking about Hogak. Cause I was thinking about it. It's like, what if we actually had this data to prove to people? Because like my favorite thing about Hogak was playing Hogak and then seeing people being like, well, yeah, I have a good matchup against it. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like yeah, I put 23 like, power. You have Snapcaster mage in your deck and I can put 14 power into play on turn two on a bad draw. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. What are you actually talking about? Like, <laughs> like the, it, it made no sense to me. Everyone's just like, yeah, my matchup's not that bad. Yeah, but see, you don't get those kind of fun arguments if you can just say, no, dude, here's the data. It's bad. You know, yeah. that's yeah. not fun. The funny thing was like all the people who played Blue Eye Control thinking their Hogak matchup was good. And at the tournament, it was like 30% win rate against Hogak or something 
Maybe even worse than that, it was something horrifically bad. Blue White versus Hogak was like embarrassingly bad at that tournament. But, but see, that's yeah. that's an argument pro data and not corrupting magic because we've had twenty years of blue white control data and yet people still play it. Oh, you don't want people? You don't want? Yeah. No. Oh, no, you like, want people to continue to play blue white control? What, yeah, you don't want data then. No, Rob. no, no. What I'm saying is, we've had enough a large enough sample size of blue white control data over the last twenty years to show that it's a piece of flaming hot garbage yeah but people 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 are still playing it people are it's what have you done for me lately and people people go 5-0 in their league after 14 leagues of not 5-0 and then they think it's the best (laughs) deck so it's yeah yeah but so like like no matter how much data will actually change magic i don't think the allure of breaking a format or beating the best deck is ever going to change people's minds i i think Uh, you i think you underestimate but I, I feel like there's a culture shift in Magic, actually. Because I, I feel like 10 years ago, people mostly played the kind of the decks that they enjoyed playing. Um, maybe even if they weren't the best deck. Like, as long as they were still, like, fine. Now I feel like people really just want to play the best deck, at least for, like, competitive tournaments. Like, I was very yeah. surprised at the GP how many people were playing the Lotus Field deck. Like, I thought people wouldn't get the deck in time. Or people wouldn't want to play it because it's like kind of a hard deck to pilot, or a number of other things, or the Lotus Breach deck at the Pioneer GP because it did so well on day one of the of the Pioneer PT. There was so much of it. Like I, I was I was kind of surprised by that, but like I just think the culture is different now and people are just trying to win more. And I'm yeah, not saying for that better deck or worse. Cheap but, as hell though, too, but or at least it was. That deck was so cheap, so probably pretty easy to get a hold of. Maybe. I mean, some of the cards were tough to find in that GP. Yeah, just commons and stuff. I could not find Supreme Phantom. I find like finally. Sorry again about that. Oh uh, well, <laughs> SCG was sold out too, so I I wouldn't need oh, it either way. I thought I thought I had him and I didn't make it to the tournament. No, no, no. yeah, yeah. But so so the argument here, and and one of the big ones now, um, is you know. We can't really actually explain if the a lot of data or no data helps or hurts a, the health of a format. I think that in the short term, it definitely gives it a stimulus boost. Um, but what what we really have to really talk about is Wizards' reasonings for this, because what what really matters is what happens when a format gets solved right before a new format comes out. In that time period the gap period between we have a kind of solve format. If anyone wants to think of one, let's go back to like uh red, black vehicles. I think that was a perfect time and a good example of this because red, black vehicles was just clearly the best deck to play. Yeah. But yet, didn't you still play blue, white control, Brad? No, well, I played mono, mono blue, blue Mox amber shenanigans. And I did better than Brian in this tournament. You got three buys. Oh, I, he finished. Well, I mean, he finished one win ahead of me in the tournament. and He had three buys to my zero. Let's score, let's let the record score, <laughs> fucking board, buddy. I took home two two thousand five hundred dollars more than you. No, you didn't. We finished with the same prize payout. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. Did you wow, get? Kids. Did you did you get the five thousand dollar thing too? I top sixteen. Oh, okay. Well, then I finished better than Seth. <laughs> yeah, I think Seth got seventeenth actually. Yeah. Daggers. Yep. Daggers. But yeah, I um <coughs> and then no, Seth, so, Seth couldn't even get a buy because of meddling. Let's not go down that road, but that was some BS. Oh yeah, no, that was that was that was ridiculous. But my favorite part of that tournament 
was me being way down in the shit and Seth being actually really high in the rankings. And then at the end of the tournament, I'm like, we got to talk about splits. He's like, I didn't make anything, man. I, I don't have like, you know, we had, we did a prize split before the tournament, a small prize split. And this is before the MPL when we could do this. I was like, judge. <laughs> yeah. I got my this hand. Is before, I, this is before we weren't allowed to do this. Um, I got my hand raised right now. I'm calling for a judge. No judge has come yet. But. <laughs> this had nothing to do with match results. It's a friendly two friends having a prize split. Uh-huh. 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 Mm. And then, you know, it was like 5%. And then after the tournament's over, I'm like, Seth, we have to talk about our prize split. And he's like, dude, I, I bombed. I didn't make anything. I'm like, I did. And he's like, you did? <laughs> like, how did you do it? You were, you were literally dead last. You had back-to-back deterministic buys. <laughs> but. Love it. I was actually in top four contention and I lost five <laughs> matches in a row. <laughs> so getting back on topic, I think the best example of a format that becomes stale for a long period of time would to go back and use that format as an example red black vehicles was a solid format it lasted for like a month now the question i have is during those times that's kind of like what data would do to a format if we had perfect data we'd find the best deck and that and then let's say that was the best deck and then everyone plays it because that's a format that's fixed yeah. But then do people play the deck that beats that? You know, I mean Well, they might keep trying to find that deck, which people continuously did and failed. Yeah, yeah. so sometimes there exists sometimes data can help find a deck that beats that deck, but mm-hmm. more like often enough there isn't a deck that beats that deck. So it's kind of sure. a double-edged sword because data can get you to that deck that isn't beat it, that doesn't have a foil faster. It can it can help you find a deck that that beats it, but it could also just get you to that deck faster and maybe there doesn't exist a foil to it. Also, yeah. there's a theoretical thing about magic. Like this is the like more philosophy on magic, but like, like you know how ants like threats beat answers, and usually the when when these situations arise, the best deck is often just a very proactive mid range deck, aggressive leaning mid range strategy, and yeah. so when there is the hate deck, it usually surprises the deck for a weekend, and then that deck just accounts for it, changes a few things, finds a game plan then that is tweeted out to the world or put in a piece of content. And then everyone knows that game plan and knows that new strategy. And then that deck that did beat it no longer beats it by a high percentage or even at all. Yeah. Like the best decks are really good at adapting to people's attempts to beat them. If they weren't able to adapt, they wouldn't really be the best deck. They would just yeah, be because a deck. The best that- decks are usually just like proactively very meaty mythics that are built around with really good removal, right? Like, that's what happens. So, like, these cards are just hard to deal with. The decks that can beat them are doing this very linear, out-of-their-way thing to do it. And then so it's like, oh, God's Fear Gift is good against us. I guess let's just add some Duress and Braids to our deck, you know? Yeah. Like, shit like that. So, um, so you know, that's a bad time for, for Magic. And data could help get to that spot. And sometimes the data is not going to help break that apart. But that might be one of the, like, let's talk about, like, potential reasons now that wizards might want to choke information yeah i think i think that's reason number one i think wizards believes correct or incorrect that data solves formats faster and and honestly i'm not i don't know that they're wrong about that they might be wrong they might be right i mean i i tend to believe that they're actually correct about that um and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or whatever but i i do think that that's actually the main driving factor behind why they don't want to give away data is they, I think they want to pre- preserve the illusion that their formats can't be cracked for as long as possible. 
Yeah. And I think I think there's one like really interesting way to look at this is like when magic first began, like when Kai was dominating and stuff, you know, there was no there was no ways to to get those concrete amounts of data out there. And he won so much because he was with a team that practiced and stuff. But you can't really think the same as back then, because now we just have, you know, Twitter to share deck lists. You have streams, stuff like that, where maybe we wouldn't have the specific numbers just like they didn't have back then. But it's not like we'd be completely cold like they were. And then they could. I I think if it were to go back to just like that, I think pro teams would have that huge advantage to dominate these tournaments because there's no information being shared. Yeah. Do you you know it's a weird thing to think about? Huh. That. On release day of a set, that there are probably more games played uh, on that day than all days internally at Wizards throughout all the set's design. Oh, yeah, there has to be. That's yeah. just crazy to think about, you know? Like, yeah. 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 And, and that's not even like a knock on Wizards. It's just the nature no, it's, of, of course it's not. It's throwing like, something I mean, out to hundreds of thousands of players versus, you know, it's just yeah. a, it's exponential growth, right? Like, it's just like, just, not being able to comprehend, you know, what 20 people can do relative to millions. Yeah. Or exactly. or a few million if it's just on day one, how many are playing? I bet a lot of people are playing. But, like, so. Or just how many games Logan Nettles will play. Yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> but so um, when you say that about, like, you know, the if, if they think that that's going to hurt it, I honestly believe that data – will help get a format solved faster. And I think that the actual damage that a set, once it is solved, if, now this is risk being a risk adverse, right? Because sometimes it's not going to have that effect. Like I said to you, like, I think in a perfect situation, some formats get solved and some formats get completed. And a completed format isn't a dead format. It still has yeah. iterations and evolutions. You just get the pillars. You get the yeah. pillars of the good decks. Yeah. And, and it's not and just you, and one you keep deck tweaking And you keep tweaking. Yeah. Right. I don't think, uh, I don't think good solving or completing a format is necessarily means it's going to be a bad format. Oftentimes it does, but it's not a guarantee for sure. I think yeah. solved formats are bad. Completed formats, I think, are great because they, they're constantly changing and evolving and getting teched out, you know? But if it's solved, it's just like blue-green Oko with Nissa Goose, you know, like that with once upon a time. Like well, like a completed bag. set isn't selling new packs, right? Because we don't yeah. like if we, if we find out that Elspeth conquers death, isn't in one of those big decks while we're playing it now, we don't think it is once it's there, then, you know, no one needs them anymore. Um, and that's one of the things, but like what, what I want to talk about about this is like, do we think that a completed or um, solved format leading into a new set do you think it like sells less of the next set? Like, you know, that, that is a potential like place that, you know, we're not talking about that. So like, let's, so uh, let's bench. Okay. Go for it, Brian. I just want to say that I think the predominant, well, first of all, I think that what, whether a set sells or not is, is in a large, in a lot of ways, unrelated to competitive players. Um, Cause mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of the sales of a set are from casual players. Um, but for what competitive players do provide for buying sets, I think it has to do mostly with what is in the set itself and whether people think that they're like, I think if people feel put off from standard at all and they don't want to play like standard, they might not buy the set. But if they don't feel put off from standard, they might buy the set. And I'm not sure that it has to do necessarily with solved or completed because a solved format or a completed format 
people might still buy the next set if they see cards that they think will change things around or um mm-hmm. you know if they're excited by the set of the cards within and then I, I i think a lot of it also is just people who don't even play competitively buying sets and i think a lot of that's just like you know the coolness factor of the set or whatever yeah and, and we can look oh sorry go ahead bro. oh i was just saying and we're getting into the weird spectrum that like when a when a solved format happens it's usually because the cards are overpowered relative to the other ones so the next set might not be as powerful so people might not need access to as many of those cards yeah and and the healthy formats I honestly, I always feel like the healthy formats that get to a new set um, release are often the ones that are slightly underpowered. And, and then when those sets come out and they have a lot new flashy toys, then those sell really well. Or those are like the more hyped ones. Those, those have bigger impact on standard. Yeah. I mean, Um, honestly, I have absolutely no clue. Like we're spitballing here, but I have no idea about what causes Watsy sets to sell. Like, I, I mean, these are, this is just, Complete. These are all our our ideas. So yeah, yeah, but like we we don't really have. I don't think we, don't. we have particularly insight insight. Well, we have some it. information on this, right? Like if you you can just look at how like how good sets did and stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at right after Kaladesh, right? Like that set after Kaladesh. I remember for like the next two sets after the energy block, everything was so dirt cheap because everybody already had their deck for like six months. You know. Yeah, that's so people didn't want to buy yeah. cards. Yeah, that's but secondary that's market. For more though. Competitive. I don't know if that yeah. affects how much the sets sell. Like, I don't know how well Amon kept blocks sold um, at all, honestly. But yeah, yeah, like the packs always sell for the same amount, no matter what, when the sets come out. But the individual singles definitely vary by the strength of the previous format compared to what we jump into. Yeah, I mean that's going to affect how how many how much of the product stores are opening and stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, stores aren't going to open. Like Dominaria was a very successful set yeah like stores aren't going to crack packs to sell singles if they can't get value out of it like exactly but they'll still sell packs to function off the drafts that they run at their events and this and the and the uh, and the seals and stuff like that if it's a good limited format so well all right so another now here's my favorite one (laughs) let's talk about the one of the potential reasons that i've been seeing online is that wizards is doing it to help the mpl and we can just change mpl to like established pro magic players. The the elite. The elite. So Wizards is making these decisions to help the elite. Um, anyone want to take this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll take <laughs> I mean, it. I, I, I think okay. that's absurd. And like I do think that some of these changes do help um connected players. Uh, not not having data, I, I do think it helps connected players. Um basically anyone I wouldn't say it, it only helps the MPL. It really just it helps anyone who's willing, who has the access to information and who's willing to put in a lot of legwork. So it doesn't have to be MPL players that it helps. But mm-hmm. I do think so, I do think some of it does help help uh, connected players. But the idea that Watsi is doing it for that purpose is just unbelievably absurd to me. Like that's just attributing. That's like the whole like never attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity type argument to me. It's like yeah. Like I I don't know. It's just like I I don't think that Watsi cares about the MPL at all. Like, so, and I'm not saying so that what, in a bad way, well, but I'm just they, saying like. So they care about the MPL as a marketing tool. for They the care game. about the MPL as an entity. I don't think they care about the individual players within it. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I don't think so they what? care about helping specific players in the MPL do well. Like, in fact, in fact, I would argue that they want. They they want what's best to make everyone like 
the NPL. Yeah. They want the change. Like, for example, I might be very valuable to them because I've been around for 10 years. I have a, a pretty decently unblemished record. Um, I've had my dramatic moments in the community, but for the most part, like I'm a decent person, but like they love them. Some Chris Kavarnik, right? Yeah. They love yeah. the new kid on the block coming in and taking, they loved when South, uh, Leverado beat me, right? Like these things they love because these are the stories that they get to sell as you at home can do this thing. There's no yeah. way they want PV and Paulo Vitor wins his 456 tournament. Like that's not <laughs> selling a dream. Yeah. But you know, I mean, even like the Glukowski effect, like he is just such an interesting person that, you know, he, him himself, they may want to keep into the MPL because he's like fun to watch. He has good branding, but it, it that doesn't mean it's helping him specifically. They want characters like that. And if they stay in good for them, but it's not, anything directed at helping a specific I mean, if, if anything, yes. Pyotr is, is like op- pro-open data. He's exactly the player that doesn't benefit as much from this kind of stuff. Like, And he does give away all his data constantly. Yeah, you know? I, 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 I just think constantly. that like people have, like people just have in their head this conspiracy theory that the only reason they aren't a pro is because the cards have been stacked against them. And they will <laughs> buy into any theory that promotes that because they're unwilling to accept the reality of their own mediocrity or, you know, whatever other reasons, maybe they just don't have the time to invest in it, you know, whatever. I'm not saying that everyone's, you know, has to assume that they're mediocre at the game, but it's just like, I, I, I think if people just accepted that the reason they're, they're not a pro is, is, you know, took responsibility for it or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I, it gets, it, I, I just get really annoyed when people think that like Watsy does all this stuff like behind the scenes to, as like some sort of conspiracy to promote, to make sure that the pros succeed and nobody else can succeed. It's like, dude, I don't think Watsy gives one crap about that shit. Like yeah. I don't think it crosses their mind. Maybe the results of some of their actions promote that, but the, the likelihood that that's the reason they're doing it is like astronomically low. It's absurd. No. And it would also yeah. like, it would be very, in my opinion, like short sighted. Yeah, like for it, sure. it, would, it, it would be very like bad of them to do that. It, I, I would like uh, like not value keeping the same people in the positions for the longest period of time. Now, they want us to stay a certain amount of people stay in the appeal so that the dream is that once you get there, you don't just fall off right away. Right. They yeah. want to sell. They want to sell a profession. That's that is a yeah. thing that they want to do out of this. But they do not want no overturn. Yeah, like like four <clears throat> years down the road, if there's like, you know, a realistic number, like there's two people that have been in the MPL for the entire time, they get to market that story. Oh, Corey. They don't in care. Four years, exactly there will not be was. a Magic Pro League. Oh, okay. okay. OP changes every three years. But there oh, might be a Magic sure. Pro Lapse League, and I'm looking forward yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> You'll be at that age by then, BBD. I'm but already now, at that age. Now, there is one interesting thing, because they do like to use data for one specific thing. Yes. And that is justifying their bans. Now, that is an interesting topic because the only time I ever hear Wizards talking about data is when they're justifying, like, banning Rampage and Frustedon. They used a lot of data sample sizes for that. Right. That that Rampage and Frustedon win percentages went up after Cyborg when they should go down. Therefore, that Mono Red, this card is going to be too good once we ban Rogue Refiner and Attuned with Aether. Um, <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, Damn, A, they have a lot of data back there, which makes sense, but I never thought about it. And and B, 
when are they sending it to me so I can win the next tournament? <laughs> um, no, but seriously, like they use the data. And they did explain. send it to Brad and he did win the and next that's tournament. That's why in the MPL. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, of course they're doing it to help the MPL out. <laughs> of course they are. So one thing I oh. do want to say about the uh, the helping the MPL thing, I want to touch one last thing on that. And it's not really helping the MPL, but one thing I could see that does help with the pros, kind of what BBD was saying, is I remember drafting, uh, like at Pro Tour team testing for drafting or whatever, when it wasn't released on Magic Online, um, you know, two or three weeks before the Pro Tour. And that is a time where I felt generally advantaged because we had a testing team. And once again, we put in the work, like you were saying, BBD. Um, but like the data wasn't out there to everybody because you weren't able to play, uh, so many tournaments. So I, I did feel like we had, we were really advantaged back in the day when we got to like draft in but that's person. Not, that's not data. That's, 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 um, personal experience. Yeah. I mean, that's still I mean, data, I, right? Yeah. I mean, no. I think the data does help teams like that, but I don't think that's why Watsi is withholding it. No, but that's, that's the reason why I'm saying it, it could help out, you know, not MPL, but MPL quality players that are on well, a team. No, the, the, the truth, the truth of it is that I am more advantaged than the average person, even listening to this podcast. I have connections. The moment Joe Larson, um, I saw after day one of um, Nagoya, I messaged Joe while he was at dinner and I'm like, you know, you know, you only got to see one of every card that he played in the sideboard. I asked him for yeah. his full sideboard and, and his sideboard guide. And then I started playing that night. Like, we, like yeah. ma- magic pros are connected and yeah. they, they do have advantages. That's just, that's just, it's, it's absurd to deny that. That's pretty funny. I did the same thing to try to get his list for versus live the same night. Yeah, after. <laughs> but like, but like we're, we are connected in certain ways and some people with more so than others. And we will have a leg up because we have built these connections over the years. But the argument is, does wizards give a shit about that? That's the difference. And, and, sure. and, and, and you know, people can believe whatever the hell they want, but like, it's laughable to, to me, it's laughable because like, there's never been a time like actively, like AI actively would never want information. And the other is like, no person at wizards is ever going to give us extra information. Most people at wizards don't have the information that would even benefit me. You know, I would have to go to certain departments and stuff and the people that don't even know my name, you know, like I, what I'm trying to say is that like, that's the argument we're having. There's no arguing that I'm not advantaged over someone that has to climb climb the ranks. Yeah, I think sure. I think helping and franchise players is, is a side effect for why for the withholding of data, not the actual reason itself. Yes. Yeah. Um. And and that kind of information. And I'm gonna say I'm pro data too. Like I want to be working on some stuff here soon that will be very pro data, and hopefully I can do it. Um. But. You know, that's just this discussion because there's... You're going to be a math teacher? I'm going to be a math teacher. That's it. I'm going to work with Shaheen. Got it. And, um, well, Shaheen is definitely not a math teacher. Yeah, what? I don't even know what kind of teacher he is. He was a history yeah, teacher. Because if we uh, round the number, okay. if Shaheen round the numbers, he wouldn't have played Blue Eye Control so many tournaments. Yeah, well, well, the funny thing is, is that he's a history teacher, yet he keeps making the same mistakes. <gasps> oh! <laughs> So uh, that's no. the whole point of history is so that you don't repeat the same mistakes. Okay, let's let's get let's get back on track. All right. So we were talking <laughs> okay. about bands and them using this data. They use it. They know it exists. They use it. And it is kind of strange to me that they do. So I, I want to say that I think that having more data, so right now, 
you see it all the time on social media if you're active there. People calling for bans of, of cards left and right always. And there's other people who are just like, hey, can we stop saying ban every card as soon as something does well? And there's always this debate going on. And um, and, and, you, and usually when WotC ends up making a decision to ban or unban a card, they use data um, as their decision uh, for it. So, you know, they'll, they'll say like, hey, our data shows that this deck is dominant, so we banned a card from it. Or as was the case, they were saying that data was showing that blue eye control was too good. That's why they didn't unban Stoneforge Mystic, though they later did unban it. So on and so forth. So Watsi has access to data and they're using it to make these decisions. Um, I, I kind of think that they misuse that data. Now, that's just speculation because I don't have their data. Nobody does. Um, so I don't know how they're using their data. What's up, the MPL? Yeah, maybe if I was a little higher up in the MPL, I would have the data. Yeah. If I'd done better at the last tournament, I would have gotten it. But yeah, actually, at Worlds <laughs> right now, they're at the data seminar. Yeah, uh, they're giving they're yeah. they're giving away the data now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that I, I don't know. But I just my speculation is that they kind of cherry pick which data they want to use to make to support whatever decision they want to make anyway. So I think they're going to be like, "Hey, we really want to ban this card because people aren't having fun with it." But just saying we're going to ban this card because people aren't having fun with it, it's not going to sit well with people. So let's mm-hmm. what piece of data supports banning it? And they'll find that piece of data. And yeah, just cherry picking data is not that hard if you really are looking close enough. Exactly. And I, I, I honestly think that if we had access to a lot of data, that it would help inform our uh, discussions around what cards should be banned and not banned as well. Because if people are like, you have to ban this deck. It's too good, and people are like, "Well, actually, it's like fifty-two percent win rate. It's not <laughs> like it, it's 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 like it's a good deck, but it's not like busted." And then people will be like, "Okay, fair." Um, and right now, everyone's discussion around bans is just it's all anecdotal evidence for the most part. You know, like there's some there's like, "Hey, it was four in the last top eight, but even that's still a small sample size, small data, and we don't know the full story behind that event." You know, like maybe it was forty percent of the field, so it's likely to be four four of the top eight, you know, things like that. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't always look at ex- the full, the full picture on the data. And I think if we had access to that, it would help inform our social media discussions around what cards should be banned or not banned. And, and it would take away a lot of the hysterics surrounding it. Yeah. That doesn't sound great. Well, the other thing is like, while data would be great to have and would help us with that. Then we're opening up the can of worms. That is, social media conversation which is non-existent like we we can't really have a great nuanced approach on on social media and have a conversation about it because like so many people are pushing their own narratives at the same time right yeah i mean social media really incentivizes people to be incendiary in their takes because it provides direct value to them to do so so yeah it's it's hard to have a nuanced discussion on a platform that doesn't support it I mean, Wait, would... are you telling me Crokey's doesn't break it every week? Oh, he breaks something every week. Yeah, he breaks oh, okay. something. My um, balls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But like, yeah, like, I mean, that, like, what I'm saying is like, well, that would be great to have that. Like, I would much rather have a committee that, you know, instead of just us all con- conversing about this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like that, that data would help us with, with the, to, to at least, you know, digest these decisions they make. A little bit better, but also sometimes like that could hurt 
them being able to justify certain decisions because they like one of the best reasons to ban something is it's not fun. No one's playing this format and we're not selling cards. Right. I think that I honestly, I think that's a great reason to ban a card. People's mileage may vary, but yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but you can't really say that wizards wizards can't actually come out and say like ever since this deck took over, like attendance in all of our tournaments have dropped 50% and we're just getting rid of it. Um, I think they could yeah. say that actually. I, I don't know. No, I think I think people will just say you'll get these retweets. I can just picture it now. They're like, "Oh, Wizards only cares about their bottom line. They don't care about tournaments at all." Blah blah blah. You know, I mean, you'd get that kind of tweets all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the truth like is, people would be like, "Well, we're not seeing." It's like, "Well, no, you can't ban that. I like that deck." And it's like, "Well, why didn't you go to F and M?" They're like, "I was watching GP replays." <laughs> I mean, I I, Brad, I honestly Brad, I like. I, I do I like that both of our voices for that that mimicking were the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that Watsi does do everything, not everything, but at least most things for their bottom line. But I don't think that's necessarily has to be a bad thing. I mean, their bottom line, if their bottom line involves healthy standard formats, that's also beneficial to players, too. So, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they want healthy formats because a healthy format sells more and it makes us like it more. So we buy more okay. because we want to do the thing. Yeah. And and it, it shouldn't be a bad thing because like at the end of the day it is a corporation and they have to yeah. make money so that they can keep doing this thing that we like. Yeah, I exactly. don't mind if they make the money bottom... if I'm having fun playing the game and they're doing a great job of it. Like Yeah. The bottom line is literally keeping the game that we all love to play afloat. I mean if their bottom line wasn't being met, you know, I don't have a job, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, but but we, we well that's where our privilege comes in, bro. Our privilege is we're saying this as in we are all like entrenched in magic and we all profit off of it. So our perspectives will be skewed from. Yeah, but I mean, even when I was just playing coming up in the game, it would have sucked if the game didn't exist. I enjoyed playing it. Yeah, (laughs) that is true. People still want the game to be successful. Like, yeah, even people who aren't making money out of it, who is just a hobby, like they want to be able to keep playing their hobby. Like, yeah. Yep. And and so people I mean, don't want Watsi to value their profits over player enjoyment, which is where a lot of the frustration comes in. But there are times where Watsi's profits and player <gasps> enjoyment do line up together. And in those times, I don't see a problem with them making money or whatever. Yeah, like KCI, you know, people were not in, enjoying themselves playing against that deck, and that couldn't have been good for their bottom line. We're talking about know? every one of my opponents loved it. <laughs> because you gave them a coloring book or something to do while you were doing your thing? Yes. <laughs> well no brian didn't win that much with that deck he usually didn't get to do his thing his thing was shuffle up play a few artifacts shuffle up die. play a few artifacts sign the slip go hang out with people uh yeah my yeah a lot of times i was just trying to be like man i really hope my next draw step is the natural state for this uh stony silence but it never yeah. is <laughs> yeah it sounds about uh, right but yeah so i mean come boil it all boils down to the fact that well, I think all of us can agree that we would love a very data-driven game because, like, we're content producers and data just allows us to do a whole lot of crazy shit with content. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, it would open up my world so much if I just got a bunch of uh, uh, um, analytics about magic and I was able to, like, make content based on it. I mean, I, I could make content every day. Yeah. The thing is, I also, uh, you know, I'll be the devil's advocate, and I think I would like, uh, I wouldn't like the all data thing, even being a content producer. Like, I like making decks that I think can beat other decks, even if I'm wrong. You know, like right now, blue white control, I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, talk about standard again here. Like, I think blue white control, team of rec, mono red, they're great decks. But like right now, I'm messing around with a flash deck to answer some of these strategies. 
And if it was just mathematically proven that I shouldn't waste my time, like that sucks. Like then that well, takes but the it joy wouldn't out of be because yeah, we would be people be. playing that deck. Like so, what'll yeah. happen is a content creator will make a blue green flash deck. Then the then the whole world will work and tune on it for a week, and then it'll like then we'll look at the data sample the week after that to see how it does against everything. So and, content creation and new decks still exist. It's just that well, it takes a month. For us to like, okay, we haven't seen any blue green flash do well, so that deck might should be bad. In two weeks, we could like see all this data and be like, okay, ever since they started playing this card, their their win percentage just haven't increased enough to where we should play it, and then the, the deck gets more momentum. It's just everything happens faster. That's what that's what yeah. data does is it drives everything a little bit quicker. Yeah, and sure. so you get to the finish line faster. Yeah, it wouldn't actually prevent you from doing that at all. Like exactly what no. Brad said. Like what you, but it would. It might cause you to do it in a different way. So yeah. now you're like, I'm brewing this flash deck that I think might be good. And if you had all the data, you could be like, all right, here's all the flash decks that weren't good. I have to do something yeah. different than them if I think it's going to mm-hmm. be good. Yeah, and I, uh, I don't know. And, and I, I think there's no correct, right or wrong answer to this debate. Um, oh, there 100 percent is. You think so? Yeah, we just don't know what it is. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if we could literally live in the day and age we are now and go through both of them and then evaluate, sure, we would find out I mean, which one is better. But Honestly, the correct answer sometimes, and I, I know this is crazy to say, but it might just be some, falling somewhere in the middle of the two. <gasps> I know. That's crazy. I know. Wow. Yeah, I know people are kind of always like all, all, all one or the other, and I, I think it's possible that Watsy doesn't give away enough data right now. I would I would argue they probably don't. They should they should definitely provide more data. But it, it's possible that providing like a hundred percent of all data wouldn't actually be beneficial to Magic as a game. Yeah. It feels so weird to me that the way I stand on this topic is just the one hundred percent cop out of I have no idea. You know, I don't well, know what I would like more, you know? I would well, just like the line to be extremely natural. Like I would like it to be like Anything that is their domain, they have access of the valve. But like, if it comes out into the world, because the problem with like this Grand Prix stuff is like, what happens at the player's tour where they did release every single deck and we do have that data? Like, what's the difference with a Grand Prix? And, uh, you know, the pick and choosing of it is what I have an issue with. Yeah. I just, I just feel like anything that we do outside of their realm, they should just, you know, I would like them not to give a shit about. But I also do not know their exact reasoning because. Yeah, I no. agree with that. I mean, if 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 you're providing your deck list to Channel Fireball, I, I actually I do want to bring up one point that we didn't touch on that I I, I thought about earlier, and I don't know um, if this is if this is a real thing or not. This is literally just spitballing, but I think it's possible that the reason because Watsi before was allowing all the deck lists to be posted for GPS, it, it's possible the reason that they don't want all deck lists to be posted is actually not even about them wanting to hide data. It might just be that people were complaining about having their decklist posted because there's a world like, I, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to say, like, that's crazy. Why wouldn't anyone want their decklist posted? Blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of people who are playing brews or pr- playing their jank decks, and maybe they don't want their list posted because it, it like once their list is public on the Internet, people are going to like it's kind of free reign for people to be like, wow, look at the horrible card choices in this deck. That kind of stuff, like, and your name's attached to it, and people can find you on social media. And yeah, then, like, people can find and you, and they can be. Mean. People are mean. Yeah, people people will post. I mean, I've seen it on Twitter where people post a deck list and be like, "Man, I can't understand any of the card choices of this deck or whatever." Yeah. 
And then like they, those people probably aren't even trying to be mean by it. But to somebody who's playing that deck, having your all your decisions scrutinized when you didn't really necessarily sign up for that can be can be um, I don't know, it can be a, a huge drawback. And, I, and, I, and our community is big, but it's not that big. If a few people on social media are bashing a deck, somebody that knows that person probably will see it. Yeah. And then it'll get back to that person, and that could be soul crushing. So, like, I, yeah, it could be. I, I don't know, like that. This is just a hundred percent spitballing, but it would not surprise me if that's the reason why. It, I'm shocked, Brian. I'm just gonna say I'm sorry for what I said about your spirits deck. It was good. No, it wasn't. It had like a forty six percent win rate. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That was> bad. <laughs> but that was a small sample size. We can. We just have to run it more. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let you do that. I'm not gonna run it anymore. I've, yeah i've reached my full sample size <laughs> you didn't have fun with spirits i mean it was fine but yeah. i wouldn't i don't think i'd play it again there all right but no that's that's a good uh stopping point because the thing is is ultimately this is a decision on their point and i can understand why they do it i wish that it was a little bit different but um at the end of the day like the 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 biggest important thing is that there's 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 two facts that i believe in the first is that I believe that it is the most important thing to make sure that the game of magic is the healthiest it possibly can be. And the other is, I don't know jack shit. <laughs> I'm just a dude with a microphone spitting out into the aether. But do you know do you know Jill shit? No, but I do know John Doe. Okay, because I've been friends with Jill shit for a long time, and she is, to borrow a phrase, the shit, so... <laughs> all righty then <laughs> all right so um that's gonna be the end but what do you think if you uh have any uh opinion on the matter please uh comment to our twitter uh for this episode and uh i'll try to uh check that out and let and chat you up about it or if you are one of our discord patrons or if you're one of our patrons excuse me uh, our $1 patrons, you have access to our Discord. We can have a conversation about this in there. We already have started it. Um, yeah. And so you can go to patreon.com slash Bash Bros Podcast and become a patron of the Bash Bros Podcast. Support us in our future endeavors to get some swag or whatever else we're going to be working on. And uh, realistically, that's the best place for us to answer these type of questions. It is It is the best. It's the easiest place to go. It's also the place where we also just have stupid conversations. Um, and, and we, and we just have so many pictures of Brian staring at things at mostly walls, but, uh, a so, lot of different color walls. So there's yes. a lot of good content in there. He has been around I, the block. Yeah. There's yeah. a diversity there. Yeah. Yeah. He's been around the wall, if you will. But also if you want to become one of our high rollers Woo! in the Bash Rose Patreon, you can become part of our cast and crew at the end of each episode. We have to go through our cast and crew. And so we're going to be doing that right now. Thank you for all of your support, all of you on the cast and crew. And hopefully we will pronounce everyone's names perfectly this time. And we, I won't, we won't. And you uh, misspoke there, Brad. We get to go through the cast and crew. This is my favorite I part. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy it as well. All right. Well, if it's your favorite part, bro, kick us off. Oh, I'd love to. All right. So starting it off, we got EJ Wren, and that is Corey's down player. I get hyped. I get hyped. Someone's got to calm it down. Well, that's a role that is not filled by a Alex Arnoldi, who, in honor of this episode, <laughs> is actually our data analyst. So yeah, uh, he, he yeah. analyzes a lot of the data that we receive. Now, does Wizards allow us to speak about our analyzm? 
Uh, no, they actually don't. We're in direct violation of all of our contracts right now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Thanks, Alex. We you got really. We, thanks, Alex. You got us all fired. Yeah. So, so we can't even talk about our analytics. No. Oh shit. Okay. Well. All we, right. We'll yeah. move on to our next. We got the ass end of that deal, unfortunately. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, Pierre Venoblo is our is Corey's trophy organizer. He's been collecting quite a few. Now he he has so many that Pierre told him not to go to Phoenix to get another one because they don't have the space for it yet. But I think that, you know, your renovations are almost complete and you can start collecting them again. Yeah, we had- yeah. I think I'm going to attend a tournament here soon. So Pierre's uh, giving me the green light for uh, a tournament. Yeah, in Pierre, Pierre took a vacation last week, so Corey just didn't show up to the tournament. So. Yeah. Exactly. I, I took the smart decision. So uh, that's, I mean, that's how, how much we care about our cast and crew. We take a lot of weight with them. <laughs> All right, our next one is Paul Kakaroski. There it is. Kakarot? It's Kakarot from Dragon Ball Z, right? No, it isn't. Paul Kakarotsky is BBD's wall-staring photographer. When there's those lovely moments that you just need to catch, we need Paul. I like how Paul is actually in the Discord, and he's like, I'll let you know when you get my last name. Well, Kakarotsky. And, and it's I'm getting worse it. every time. Yeah, there, there's no way we got it this week. All right, we no, got, uh, we got no. Daniel Russell, Brad's international document consultant. I don't We're know. We're almost there. We're almost there. Daniel and I are doing some good work. Yeah. I don't know when the next uh, overseas event is for Brad, but rest assured he might have his documents <laughs> ordered by order, that, maybe. Yeah. Or Daniel is fucking fired. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> next up is Spoon Tongue, who's BBD's hairstylist. Now, we, we, we don't want to counter chickens before we hatch, but I'm pretty confident to say next tournament, Brian might have a hair and it will be styled. <laughs> Next, we got Tom Wilkins Wilkinson, who is our on-call Sultai correspondent. So had a lot of things to do with Brad's deck list last weekend. And Tom uh, put I in some above-average work. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, yep. uh, now that Sultai has proven to be a tier two strategy, he might be back in the woods. So. Mm-hmm. He's back. Tom is back to his tier two pay now as well. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got David Watt, special guest screener. Man after my own heart. Uh, really, no ill to say about David. Wait, Watt. I don't remember hiring David. Yeah, me neither. What the hell? Let's get him off the. Panel. We need a tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who. Yeah, who hired David? That's yeah. crazy. How he ended up on the payroll. Yeah. How, did that happen? how did that happen? We don't mysteries. All right. Well, my favorite person on our cast and crew it has to be Victor Bauschap because he is our executive. Bro, deucer. I feel like, and I just feel awesome whenever our executive bro deucer allows us to do something. And uh, this week, they allowed us to say their last name correctly. But I don't think you did. <laughs> I didn't? Beauchamp? You said Beauchamp. Damn it. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. All well, right. thanks, bro, deucer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next person is uh, Symbol. That is our executive waste management operator. This mainly has to do with BBD, but he sometimes dabbles with uh, me and Brad. I actually, I don't, did you pronounce that name right? I think so. Okay. Symbol? All right. Yeah, maybe that's it. All right. Rabbit Chicken, vice president of video operations. Uh, What can I say? It's the second most important position we have access to. So you might think it's behind the president of video operations, but it's actually behind our data analyst yes. so, yeah. 
<laughs> Who right. isn't behind that person? <laughs> oh. All right, next up, Jer Majeldi. <laughs> That's definitely correct. <laughs> That's yeah, definitely yeah. correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Is our assistant to the assistant regional manager. Knock, knock. Love me some office. Um, I don't know what that exactly means, but Jer just kind of hangs out. Love it. Love it. And then we got our last person is Andreas Hammond. And that is our rich, Richmond gas station scouter. So, uh, you know, there could be events coming up and we know BBD has got his needs. So we got to scout it out. Yeah. His power level over 9,000. So does Way anyone over. notice that our cast and crew is just getting shittier and shittier by the addition? <laughs> no, well, there's only one way to make it, make it better. And that's with the viewers out there jumping on in it. I'm just going to say symbol has a lot of work to do because there's a lot of shit related jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and he better get that waste management operator stuff. Yeah, duties. it's starting to be more than non-shit related. Yeah. <laughs> We're also paying a lot of people who do nothing, so. Absolutely yeah. nothing. There's a lot of waste yeah, management no. in the world. We also pay a lot of this, people out the back door. This you know? podcast is costing us money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, though. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Bachelor's Podcast. We'll be back next week with another riveting topic. But until then, we're all going to die from the colds that we have. Hopefully we live to see another day, but I don't, I think things are bleak. <clears throat> Anyone else want to say goodbye or is that it? No? Goodbye. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. Just say goodbye. I'm not going to say He's it. He's too sick. He's too sick. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it.